Hey, y'all. It's the NPR Politics Podcast here with a wrap of Tuesday night's primaries in Rhode Island, Connecticut, Delaware, Maryland, and Pennsylvania. We're going to have our country back. We're going to make America great again. And I just want to tell you, for the five states, I am so honored. This was, to me, our biggest night because it shows such diversity. With your help, we're going to come back to Philadelphia for the Democratic National Convention with the most votes and the most pledged delegates. It was a very good night for Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump and a bad night for their opponents. We're going to talk about just how close to over this race might be. I'm Sam Sanders, campaign reporter. And I'm Ron Elving, senior editor and correspondent. All right, Ron, it is 10.35 p.m. here in the studio, and the AP has just called Connecticut for Hillary Clinton. The nutmeg state. I didn't know it was a nutmeg state. It is. Okay. Nutmeggers. Almost no one, almost no one calls people from Connecticut that. I don't, I, I don't think anyone should ever be called a nutmegger. I, I think it's probably just as well <laughs> that that be left yeah. alone. So that means we know all of the states tonight. That is correct. What we, are those results? We have, well, the big headline really has to be Donald Trump because Donald Trump has one and one big in all the states that voted today, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Delaware, Connecticut, and Rhode Island. Uh, really just a total sweep and a total domination for him, even beyond what people may have expected. On the Democratic side, a little perhaps less of a dominant performance for Hillary Clinton, but in effect, just as important and just as beneficial. Uh, She won big in Pennsylvania and Maryland. We'll extend her delegate lead because of that. She also picked up the smaller states of Delaware and Connecticut, and Connecticut by a rather narrow margin, but nonetheless did take that one home in the end. And although Bernie Sanders had a very solid win by uh, 50 some points, 56 percent in uh, Rhode Island, that is a smaller state and doesn't have that many delegates to really make a big difference. It seems as if Donald Trump won everything by a lot. At 8.01, at 8 p.m., pretty much everything got called for Donald Trump except the states where there weren't any exit polls and those got called soon enough. With like big margins, like 60% or something, right? I, I, I won't say huge, but... You, you just said huge. I said it. The high 50s into the high 60s. And he spent the first several minutes of his triumphant victory speech tonight talking about just how big those margins really were. And he calls himself the presumptive nominee. Like he is entering the stage of the race where he just thinks he's got it. It's hard to see how anyone else could get it. And let's just do the math. All right. John Kasich's long since been mathematically eliminated. As of tonight, Ted Cruz simply cannot win the nomination on the first ballot because he'd have to win every delegate from now on, and it still wouldn't be enough. So there is only one candidate with a chance of a first ballot nomination at this point, and his name is Donald Trump. But we have seen this weird pact between Kasich and Cruz to try to keep Trump from winning states like Indiana, New Mexico, and Oregon, correct? That's that's right. And the plot would be that Ted Cruz would win Indiana on the strength of the combined forces of all forces non-Trump, and that that would be enough to slow Trump's momentum. And then supposedly John Kasich could win in Oregon and New Mexico, and that is quite plausible that he could do that. But then they have to figure out some way to divvy up California, and we haven't heard how they're going to do that yet. So here's what's most likely to happen, and it's really quite overwhelmingly likely to happen. Donald Trump will continue to add delegates. He won't get to 1,000 tonight because 54 of the delegates from Pennsylvania uh, don't have to say 
who they're for. Now, most of those people we suspect will go with the overwhelming Pennsylvania popular vote for Donald Trump. So it's not like he's not going to get his share, but we don't know yet exactly how many he'll get. That's the only thing that's going to keep him probably below 1,000 delegates as of tonight. He just needs 237 more past 1,000, and he's going to get most of those just in California and New Jersey and the share he'll get in some of these other places. And if he gets even close to 1237, there's a big chance that the party just gives it to him, right? You've heard the expression horseshoes and hand grenades. There's one other... I actually have not heard that expression. Tell well, me what it, that means. Close please. only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, or ah. so they say. But if you get that much closer than anybody else, and he's going to be so much closer than anybody else, it's going to be kind of absurd to ask people to vote against him so that they can prefer someone who had neither the popular vote nor the lion's share of the delegates. Yeah, and the majority of Republican voters are saying they want the person that gets the popular vote of this to win it. That's right, of the people who are voting in the primaries. Yes. And there's an important distinction to make here because of the people who are voting in the primaries, we know that most of them are Trump voters. So, of course, they're going to say their guy should be the guy. Yeah. But if you take all the Republicans in the country, take that larger universe and Republican leaners, people who the party might be relying on in November, they're more ambivalent about whether or not they want to see the guy with the most votes get the nomination. People still say that, but they're a little more ambiguous than the people who are voting in the primaries. Let's talk Democrats. It seems as if Hillary Clinton had a good night, but Bernie Sanders won a bit too, right? Bernie Sanders won Rhode Island, which was not the smallest state by population, but the smallest state in most people's minds of of land area in A little state that could. A little state that could, but a little state that liked Bernie Sanders. And also, it was easier for independents to work their way into the, into the mix. Was it open? In Rhode Island. Not, not exactly open, but you could... You could get in there and vote as an independent. It wasn't as open as, as say, a Wisconsin open primary, but it was possible. And uh, also, same is true in Connecticut, and that's why you see much, much closer results there than in Pennsylvania, Maryland, and Delaware, where Hillary Clinton won in a landslide. And here's the sad part of the story for Bernie Sanders and his legions of supporters. He still doesn't really gain much by way of delegates. And by losing big in Pennsylvania and Maryland, he sees her lead in delegates increase. So the math just got tougher by a lot for him. And every week there are fewer places to look for a recovery down the road. How much of what we see happening with these Democrats, uh, it being every week or so prolonged just by a bit, Bernie gets a win that surprises folks. How much of that is a strength of Bernie and how much of that is weakness of Hillary Clinton? That is an equation that is almost impossible to perfectly describe in any kind of precise terms. It clearly involves some of both. She has not closed the sale with a certain number of people in her party. Bernie Sanders is appealing both on the basis of his own personality and also perhaps more profoundly, on the basis of many Democrats wanting something a lot more liberal, a lot more progressive, a lot more... uh, Well, a lot different from the Clinton formula of the 1990s when Hillary is still basically running on the Hillary, uh, the the Bill Clinton formula, the triangulation, if you will, the moderate sort of uh, in the middle position. She's much more of a hawk than Bernie Sanders. And primary voters in the Democratic Party have tended to be more dovish than Democrats generally and certainly more so than the country as a whole. So Bernie Sanders has a constituency of ideology, of politics, but also of people who just like him better than Hillary. Yeah. So now we have on both sides of the aisle. 
front runners that are very close to being their party's nominees, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. How do both front runners deal with these opponents that want to keep on fighting? We've seen different ways of doing it in the two parties, haven't we? Yeah. Uh, Donald Trump makes fun of the remain remaining candidates. Was tonight uh, particularly rough in dealing with John Kasich, calling him Mr. One in 46. Why is he still around here? Aww. Chris Christie was standing behind him. And he Smiling said, this time. And he said, Chris Christie did better than him. Uh, <laughs> not... <laughs> Not a great compliment for Christie. And and also, you know, making fun in his usual way of Ted Cruz and, and Ted Cruz's uh, failure to overtake him. So uh, there you have the rough handling. Over on the other side, Hillary Clinton's problem is a little different. She feels she's going to have the nomination and she desperately wants to heal the wounds in the party and bring Bernie Sanders supporters, particularly the ones under 30, the ones in their 30s as well, who have preferred Bernie Sanders to her. She wants to bring those people into the party and make her her voters. So clearly this race will go on for at least another week when we have Indiana. What should we expect there? In Indiana, we have the Ted Cruz-John Kasich scheme to try to stop Donald Trump, which is if you can't beat him as two candidates, let's try to beat him as one unified uh, opposition. But it hasn't even really, like, there's been, it, it's not the best of packs, right? It's, it's not, but if it's going to work anywhere, it's going to work in Indiana. Because uh, if John Kasich, who is governor of the neighboring state of Ohio, backs off, doesn't campaign there, doesn't buy ads there, doesn't necessarily tell everybody to vote for Ted Cruz, but at least backs off and concentrates on Oregon and New Mexico, then theoretically Ted Cruz should have his best shot to date anywhere of going mano a mano with Trump and maybe beating him. That would put a little dent, a little dent in Donald Trump and uh, and change the trajectory just a tiny bit. Then we go on to West Virginia. Uh, Probably they're not going to make much headway there. But then later in Oregon and in New Mexico in the month of May, you have a chance to shut Trump out in those two states. And that gives you a little bit of momentum going into California to perhaps embarrass him there. The message then becomes Donald Trump can be beaten, or at least Donald Trump is not the consensus candidate he wants you to think he is. And if we can get to a second ballot in Cleveland, his position will deteriorate thereafter. And someone, maybe not Ted Cruz, probably not John Kasich, but somebody can be the nominee besides Trump. A dark horse on a white, a dark a dark night on a white, dark night, white horse, white. White night, dark horse. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what about the Democrats? In the, Indiana, well, who do we expect to do well there? Actually, that's another good state for Bernie Sanders because an awful lot of people there feel as though their manufacturing jobs deserted them and the state uh, to go overseas because of trade deals in past years. And so it's been a state where people have felt disaffection uh, from the uh, establishment Democratic Party, which they don't feel has stood them in good stead. It's also a fairly conservative state, though, uh, socially speaking, the social policy. Uh, Not as clear how that shakes out on the Democratic side as on the Republican side. So it could be fairly close, but it's another place where Sanders could surprise. Uh, Certainly, Oregon is a good state for Bernie Sanders. Yeah, and if you've never seen Portlandia, and I don't mean to characterize either Portland or the state of Oregon by that parody. But if you if you have any idea why they did that show, you understand that Oregon can deliver a very, very liberal vote. The only senator in the United States Senate who has endorsed Bernie Sanders is from Oregon, Jeff yeah. Merkley. Yeah. Okay, we're going to wrap it there. You can find our coverage on nprpolitics.org. Thank you for listening to the show. And email us your questions or feedback at nprpolitics at npr.org. I'm Sam Sanders, campaign reporter. I'm Ron Elving, senior editor correspondent. And we'll see you on Thursday in our weekly roundup. 
Until then, thank you for listening to the NPR Politics Podcast. 